Praise the Lord. Wow, it's good to be together worshiping the Lord, and uh, I'm excited for uh, today's message. <clears throat> We're going to do our next uh, point in our Miracle Life series, The Legality of the Gospel. We'll, we'll start, of course, with Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. And we're talking about the life of Christ, continuing the ministry of Christ. And um, talking about what Christ has done, that Christ is our model, our inspiration. We have, a, have to respond to his command. Let's see, M-I-R-A. Our action as his delegates see credibility of the gospel. Today is the legality of our faith, all from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. <clears throat> Actually, in the, in the King James, it's interesting. It's all one sentence uh, in the King James. The former treaty or letter have I made of Theophilus of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which uh, he said, You have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence or not many days from now. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Of course, verse 1, we saw that all that Jesus began to do and to teach, and that's one of my favorite parts of this whole series, is that Jesus began to do something. We looked and we saw what he began to do, and we saw like God in a new light that we had never seen him before. We think we had seen him that way all the time because we have the whole, uh, all of the Gospels and the New Testament, all of the epistles, and we learn so much from Paul's revelation. But really in that time and that day, you got to put yourself there, it was all of this tradition for year after year after year, and you know, they had no law, and then Moses was given the law, and then the Ten Commandments, and then somehow that multiplied to, I don't even know how many hundreds they had, I think it was like 900 or something. And uh, it seems like people tend to not be able to stick with just a few laws. They want to add more and more, you know. We have to get more specific because also maybe people break, break those and come up with excuses. But all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. So Jesus didn't just come like everybody else as a teacher and a philosopher. There were many philosophers in that day. We talked about Plato, Socrates. Those guys were like 300 years before Christ showed up. They were there teaching their philosophies. But Jesus didn't just teach. He began to do and to teach. And so he was an example for us that we're not just to teach. We're not just to tell people, but we're to do and tell, show and tell. Uh, and uh, Jesus showed many signs and wonders, and the apostles showed many signs and wonders because uh, they were somebody, very special people and unique, and nobody else was like them, and nobody else would ever be like them again. No. <laughs> because they were rubbed on, smeared on, you could say anointed by God's Spirit. That's what set Jesus apart. Um, besides the fact that he was perfect, he lived a perfectly sinless life, so he could accomplish something that none of the rest of us could which is redemption, and that's kind of what we're talking about today. But Jesus began both to do and to teach. And if he began it, that means he must be still doing it. And if he's still doing it, how is he doing it? Because he's not here on the earth walking around in a flesh and blood and bone body. He's up in heaven at the right hand of God making intercession for us. He's sitting up at the right hand of God. And Jesus said that it's much better for you that I go away. You want me to stay? You want to stay with me? You want to like walk with me? You want to go to dinner with me? You want to you know, ride a donkey with me, but it's way better for you that I go away. And you're like, really? Wouldn't it be nice if you were sitting right here right now? Yeah. Well, by the presence of God and the Spirit of God, Jesus is here in our midst. Actually, the Bible says, if two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And for us, I think it's a matter of a lot of times reverence of the things of God. Uh, you know, reverence maybe is the wrong, is too big of a word. Uh, revering and esteeming the things of God, uh, believing it enough that it causes us to change how we act, to change what we do, to change what we say. Uh, you know, uh, 
there's certain things that we wouldn't do if we believed in the deity of the Son of God. That Jesus Christ is God's Son and that he lives in us. You know, that uh, consciousness of that, more than a head consciousness, but a heart consciousness, changes how we act. And when we come to the Lord, many times people come to the Lord, uh, you know, I don't know, I think maybe from 20 or 30 years ago when a lot more people preached a lot more direct about hell and the fires of hell, people came to escape the fires of hell. And um, that's a great way to come in. That's a great reason to come in. But we shouldn't just stop there. Uh, I don't want to sin because I don't want to affect my relationship with the Lord. I don't want to miss God. I don't want to um, not be near to him. You know, I, I think so many times how Adam and Eve's... Uh, act of sin so disappointed the Lord because they messed up? No, I don't think it was like that because he missed out on that fellowship, that intimacy that he wanted with us. And they missed out on the fellowship that they wanted with him. So, of course, Christ came to restore that. So if he begins something, we're to continue it. Until the day he was taken up, we look at he inspires us. We see what he did and we think, wow, somebody could change the world like that. I mean, uh, you know, we're a small group of people this morning talking about him, but people are talking about Jesus all over the world. Some people are talking bad about him. Some people are using his name as a cuss word, but like Paul said, at least they're speaking his name. At least people are hearing it. And, um, uh, but Jesus Christ is alive today. and He's at the right hand of God, but he also lives in us by his spirit. So after that, he gave commandments. And if he gave a command then we need to uh, heed his command. We need to make a decision. Whether we decide we're not going to listen to it or we are going to listen to it, we're still making a decision. And when you're listening, I have to remind myself of, of this all the time, when you're listening to someone preaching the word of God, you are making constant decisions with all of the input. Maybe you've heard something before and you're kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. I wish they would move on and do something fresh and new. You know, talk about something fresh and new. Well, you've kind of made a decision there to not... Um, give more earnest attention, like Hebrews says, to those words. So I don't want to do that. Uh, and I think if we're honest, we all find ourselves doing that. You know, you're like, you know, I love sermons on walking in love. But even this week, I'm, I was listening to uh, Brother Hagen talk about a sermon, Walking in Love, and I was getting ready to listen to it, and I wanted to listen to it in my heart. And all of a sudden, I was kind of like, ah, you know, I've heard that one before. I'm like, no, I'm going to listen to it. And I always get something And it always helps me to grow and grow and grow because there is no end to uh, the depths of revelation that you can get from the Word of God. And uh, so we're we're constantly making decisions based on what we hear. Uh, To whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. And that's what we talked about last week, that the gospel is credible because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He was resurrected. And if he wasn't resurrected, then our faith is vain. Everything that we believe is in vain. And then we have no hope. There's no hope of a resurrection after we die. And then, you know, my uh, grandparents on both sides were Christians. And so I know I get to see them again up in heaven, up in uh, eternity uh, with the Lord. And, um, but if there is no resurrection, there is no hope. And if there is no resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ guarantees that his life, that there's nothing, no sin, no sickness, no disease, no bondage that cannot be conquered because it was conquered already by Christ, including death itself. So because of that, because Jesus said in John, because I live, you will live also. And so because he is living, we can live now in this life, in this time. So today we come to... um, Number six, which is the legality of the gospel. The legality of the gospel. And that's the part, he went up to heaven. Well, first he died, went to hell, conquered hell, went up to heaven, offered his own blood in the heavenly holy place. The heavenly holies of holies. And that blood, the Bible says he offered that once and for all. So nobody else has to offer again. He doesn't have to go in and offer it again. His blood is so powerful, it was one sacrifice for all time, for all mankind, that blood still speaks today, and it speaks for you, and it speaks for me, and that blood speaks better things than that of Abel. That, you know, Abel may have been, you know, whatever in his time, but he does not compare to Christ. Christ was perfect, sinless, spotless. So his blood, that blood, that perfect blood, is the blood that God sees when he sees you and he sees me. 
he sees us in the blood, in the blood of Christ. So we see ourselves uh, in the flesh. And uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's this, um, they call her a YouTube sensation. And I wish I could remember her name. Do you remember her name? It's this, this woman that um, uh, somehow a, a video got posted a, on YouTube of her. And uh, she, she can't, what's her name? Izzy or something like that. She, she can't gain any weight. So she looks very deformed and like her eye sockets, you can like see behind her eyes and she's, she is what uh, people would describe uh, a body as very ugly. So she found a YouTube video online of her titled Ugliest Woman in the World that had 4 million views. And she saw this video. And so she basically rebuffed that and said, what would she say, I'm not ugly? She just she stood up and said, and she became this whole sensation because she refused to be identified with what people saw in her flesh. And now all of these movie stars and everybody is rallying around her, and it's just an amazing like life change story from somebody that you know the devil really influenced to say bad things and to try to bring her hurt that did bring her hurt. And she said, "No, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna um, come under that. I'm gonna come over it." And so uh, many times we look at ourselves. And, um, you know, let's just talk about that. You could look at your body, and you know your body probably better than anybody else but the Lord. And none of our bodies are perfect. Right? We all have imperfections because of the fall, and maybe because we eat so much or whatever. Um, but we all have imperfections. But the Lord is looking at our heart. And I think so many times we've, we're the ones that make ourselves shallow by even looking at ourselves and figuring out something about ourselves. But the Lord, um, the Lord doesn't look at that. The Lord uh, looks at our heart and the Lord loves us and he wants us to identify with Jesus Christ. So I use the body, but really, um, you know, one of the main tactics of the devil is what's called sin consciousness to make us aware and to think about and meditate on where we don't measure up. Well, this person's better than you. And, you know, one of my kids yesterday was having some, uh, what do you call it, action challenges. He was misbehaving. And, um, you know, in the midst of it, he said, uh, I was trying to explain something to him. And he said, I'm a bad boy. I'm a bad boy. And I said, where is that from? Because we don't, I guess you don't know us, but we don't say, like, you're a bad boy. You know, we say that is a wrong action, that is a bad action, but you're a good boy. And, uh, you know, I told him, I said, you know, I said, that came right from the devil. I said, you need to listen to your father. The Bible says if you listen to and honor your mother and father, uh, you'll have a good life and it'll be a long life. And I'm a bad boy. I messed up. And I said, no, I said, uh, you need to listen to my words. And I had to go through this about four or five times. I said, you need to listen to my words. You're not listening to me. And I said, the devil is putting thoughts in your mind and getting you to say things that are not true. I said, God loves you. Mom and daddy love you. You're a good boy. You just made a mistake. Well, you know how long it took me to get that through to him. It was probably like seven minutes. And, you know, I'm saying you need to listen to the voice of your father because this is going to make it good for you. And so then once I was able to break through a little bit, I said, well, Actually, in the midst of it, I, I, command, I said, devil, you stop tormenting him, his mind right now in the name of Jesus. And then I was able to get through to him. And then I said, okay, now, let's speak to the devil together and tell him you're not going to take his thoughts. And you're not going to repeat them. And you're not going to have them. And the, the reason I give that illustration is uh, he's just a little boy, but that happens to all of us. And we find ourselves um, accidentally sometimes on purpose because we're really upset with somebody, um, grabbing onto those things that the devil may bring yeah. or that our flesh gets stirred up about something. But the Lord, he sees us, when he sees us, he sees us through the blood of Christ. He sees us in all of the rightness of Christ. You know, we are, um, I like to say, we are what's right about God in Christ. That means we are the righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And so, if we are the righteousness of God in Christ, then we need to look at ourselves not after ourselves. I don't want to see me in Tim, and I don't want you to see Tim in Tim. I want you to see me in Christ. Uh, you know, the Bible says we regard no man after the flesh anymore. 
not even yourself. So we need to regard ourselves after the new man that we are in Christ Jesus. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And, um, you know, for the sake of time, I'm not going to probably go through any more of the, re- the review of the other um, lessons that we've done. You can get the um, audios. Hopefully, I think this week we'll have them up. They're up. He's got them up. He's just waiting for, for a link from me. So uh, we're slowly getting everything accomplished here. Um, it's like uh, some people say, Lord, I'm waiting on you. And the Lord said, no, I'm waiting on you. <laughs> so he's not, he's waiting on me. Um, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. And we see this, of course, it's from Isaiah 61, is where Jesus is quoting. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, I'm going to cut to the chase on this a little bit. We should, as believers, should all speak that over ourselves and about ourselves and believe that, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you because God has anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent you to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, hopefully this won't take me too long, but this came up in my heart this morning, so I felt like I should um, talk about this. If we go back to verse 1 of chapter 4, I'm going to quickly read verse 1 through 19. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from the Jordan. This is right after the Holy Ghost came upon him. Uh, You know, we talked about that he came as a man. He laid aside his mighty power and glory and became as mere man. And up till this point before this, Jesus didn't do any miracles. A lot of times religion wants to teach us, which is religion is just a, a set of teachings that people have added to the Bible and routines and traditions. Religion wants to teach us that Jesus healed, you know, a bird would fall out of a tree and die and he would raise the bird from the dead and he would heal all of this. Jesus didn't do any miracles until after the Holy Spirit came upon him. So if we're trying to live the life of Christ and um, teach and do like Jesus taught and did, we need to have the same equipment, the same tools that Jesus had. And thank God he gave us the same Holy Spirit. It's not a different Holy Spirit. He is a spirit. And it's one spirit. One spirit. So it's not like I have a different Holy Spirit than you have or you have or you have or you have or you have. He is the same Holy Spirit. And incidentally, you know, uh, I grew up in a denominational church, was born again at a very young age, four years old. My brother uh, came home. I remember, I remember it to this day, sitting in the, in the bedroom, actually standing there after a church service. And he said, do you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I'm four years old. Of course I did. I said, yes. And so we prayed the prayer of salvation right there. And my parents, like six or nine months later, said, you know, have you thought about accepting the Lord? And I said, well, I already have. And they're like, when? And I said, well, Greg, my older brother, he prayed with me in the bedroom. So we never knew the exact date because we were so young or whatever, But because uh, they would always celebrate spiritual birthdays and stuff like that. So I was born again at a very young age and then grew up in a Christian home. And I'm growing up in the Christian home and, um, you know, uh, learned a lot of things. And then when I was, uh, must have been 19 years old, I got filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And, uh, you know, you guys have heard me say it a lot in this series, but I got a brand new Bible. It was the same physical Bible, but man, the word came alive like never before. And I had the Holy Ghost showing, revealing, teaching. And I, I couldn't believe how, uh, how alive the words of God were and how full of life and, and how they impacted me. So um, uh, Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from the Jordan. So Jesus... Uh, prior to being full of the Holy Ghost, uh, didn't really start his ministry. Once the Holy Ghost came upon him, then he started the ministry. And the same spirit that he had, the same Holy Ghost, is the same Holy Ghost that we have that comes upon us. We are, when we're born again, we're made new creatures in Christ Jesus, and that is a work of the Holy Spirit, and we receive the Holy Spirit. But there is an experience after salvation, subsequent to salvation, called being filled with the Holy Spirit or being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And that's a separate experience. 
So I was born again and had the Spirit of God at a young age. And you'll know many things by the Spirit of God. More it's like a, a sense or a, a general, I would call it, uh, you know, if you haven't got a gift of the Spirit manifestation, you've got a general knowing of what's going on. and bears witness with your spirit. So for me, when I went to get filled with the Holy Ghost, at that time I had been attending another church. And some people at that church, it was a dominational, because I was in the military station in Georgia. Some people at the church thought speaking in tongues or being filled with the Spirit was of the devil. And most people just didn't know. They were just confused. We just knew in the church, man, I'm hungry for God. I want more of God. There's, there's, there's a knowing in my spirit. There's something more. What is this more? There's something more. I got to have this more. And you get to praying and you're praying and you're praying. And so you get louder and louder because you're, there's something that you're not able to fulfill. Like this desire, something inside that you want to like, you got to quench it. You got to like give it out. And I'm not sure what it was, you know. And so I asked my friends, what is this? But none of my friends were filled with the spirit. And somebody said, well, they taught me, you know, like start to say vowels, a a a a a a o o, you know, like this. And I thought that just does not seem right. That's kind of weird. That's kind of strange. And um, this is not the subject of my message. So anyhow, we're at a Bill Gaither Jubilate concert, and not at the concert because people get confused. But we're at this, me and some very close friends, and we stayed in a condo. And my friend's mother and father were filled with the Spirit of God. And so, you know, had asked them questions over time, and you know, of course, prayed about it and asked the Lord. And I didn't know what to do. And she says, would you guys like to be filled with the Spirit? I'll pray for you right now. I feel like we should do this right now. And so my best friend was prayed for. That was uh, uh, his mother prayed for him. And then uh, his wife, the daughter-in-law, prayed for. And then, of course, I know what's happening. It's coming to me next. And so I'm getting nervous, you know, because I'm like, I don't know. And on the inside, I'm like, Lord, I don't, is this of you? Is this not of you? Should I do this? Should I not do this? And then um, uh, she asked me, she said, would you like me to pray for you? And I said, um, I don't know. And at the same time I was speaking, I don't know, in my spirit, I felt like I had to go to the altar, right? Because I was in a church that was, you know, it was a good church. It was a Baptist church, Southern Baptist church, and um, uh, great on salvation. And you'd have like a move of the spirit in salvation. Interesting thing about the Lord and the spirit of God, he'll work with you as far as you'll let him. So they would let him move in salvation. And man, we had salvation after salvation after salvation. So I knew the move of the Spirit, just a Christian, because the same Spirit was in me uh, for uh, salvation. Well, I said, I said, I don't know. And I said, well, actually, I feel like I'm in church and I need to go to the altar. And as soon as I heard my lips speak those words, I said, oh, okay, I'll do it then. Well, at the time, I didn't understand it, but now I understand. It was the same Spirit. I had that same leading, that same unction. So I knew it's the same spirit. And so the same spirit that you get that recreates you on the inside is is the spirit that you get in abundance, not only within, but upon. And it's like having a glass of water, uh, like I drink a glass of water or being full of water. So I had the glass of water before. Now I'm full of water. And you're supposed to be being filled. So you stay connected and you stay connected by speaking in other tongues. Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from the Jordan, was led by the spirit into the wilderness i got to be careful because you can preach the whole thing on this. But Jesus himself was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where the devil was going to tempt him. So sometimes we think, Lord, what did I do wrong? Why am I out here? I must have followed the wrong spirit. I must have done something on my own. I must not have whatever. But really the Lord led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And many times you get filled with the Holy Ghost or you, even if you're full of the Holy Ghost and you've kind of let things wane a little bit and you're not as on fire as what you should be, you get on fire, you get connected, all of a sudden you find yourself in the wilderness because the devil is opposing you. And the devil does not want people that are full of the Holy Ghost and acting like it loose on the world because there's nothing he can do about it. Because those are the kind of people that say, you know what, I'm not going to go by what people say or what my mind says. I'm going to go by what the Word of God says, and I'm going to speak words inspired by the Spirit of God, and I refuse to come under the power of the devil. And then I say, devil, no, you can't do this. You take your hands off. You stop it in Jesus' name. And he can't do it. He can't do it. Like the devil can't accomplish anything in here right now. He has no right and he has no authority. You know, so some people like get afraid of the devil. What are I going to do about the devil? You know, say like... uh, Hey, devil, come here. Look, look, let's see what's going to happen. Watch and see. He doesn't want to stay. He doesn't want to see because it's just a reminder of his defeat and his lack of authority and his lack of power and what he can't do. And, um, you know, there was a, uh, there was a, you know, a lot of this main points of this series I uh, got from Dr. T.L. Osborne. He told us, you know, we sat in some of his um, 
meetings before he went to heaven. And uh, he said, you know, I wish every person would start grabbing this and preaching it around the world. And, you know, I don't do copyright and stuff like that. So the main uh, framework of this, I, I um, you know, the acrostic, M-I-R-A-C-L-E, I got from him. And um, so, uh, but he, his first experience, he used to always say, poor devil, poor devil. And his, that came from an experience that he had because he was preaching to a crowd, I think it was like 100,000 people. And there was this lady over there on the side. And she uh, was, uh, what do you call it? Crazy, mentally, mentally unstable. And um, she starts screaming in the middle of his preaching. And he had always instructed his people, don't, don't bring them forward or anything. Just, just let them do that. Well, I'll just keep preaching. Because if you give attention to it, you put a bunch of people around it, then the devil has like absconded your service. So you're giving him access. So he said no. And so she's just screaming and screaming and screaming. And uh, in the middle of it, he just, out of his spirit, said, poor devil. That devil's screaming. He doesn't want to go. He knows he has to leave. And by the end of the service, the devil was gone. The woman was completely free. She came up and she testified. And so if you ever hear any of his stuff, you know, there's a lot of his stuff on YouTube and stuff like that, you'll hear him say, oh, poor devil, poor devil. And uh, because what we do is we let the devil take and twist it. And we give him uh, inadvertently the access. And we say, oh, something's going on over there. And we get our, all the attention over there. And now we're glorifying what the devil is doing in someone's body or someone's mind or through their, through their voice. But we don't want to do that uh, because Jesus is Lord. Yeah. And Jesus is the one. And the devil works out here in the sense realm. What we can see, feel, touch, hear. And what we believe uh, is in the spirit realm. But what we believe in the spirit realm shows up in the natural realm, and it dominates the natural realm. Uh, we are a living, speaking spirit, just like God is a living, speaking spirit. So when we speak like God speaks with God's faith, that we can, because Mark eleven twenty two says, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith, um, lay hold of God's faithfulness. When we speak like that, then we're speaking like God. And then those words are creative, just like God's words. The very worlds that we live on that are framed, that are formed, are from the Spirit of God. God spoke, and it was. He believed, he spoke, and it was. So he gave us a great example. Before we even have the example of Jesus Christ, who said, you know, they said, how did this fig tree dry up? How does it die? And he said, have faith in God. And I love that phrase, have faith in God, because we have faith in God. We believe God. We look to God in every situation. What are you going to do? Like, uh, you know, the... Uh, I don't want to give too many specifics, but the place that I'm like uh, working for my side job, they're like, you know, we want to talk about you about leaving. Like, you know, we want to think you want to leave. And I had a, I guess I can kind of say it now because some of it's over, but I found out that a lot of leadership in this place were like bad mouthing me over the last two or three weeks and saying a bunch of lies and all this stuff. And the, they were really yielding to the devil. And the sad thing is, it's a church. Anyhow, uh, that's to just say the church people aren't perfect either. <laughs> we're all being renewed. But God... Have faith in God. So in the middle of this, I said to the Lord, I said, you know what? You're our source. You're our supply. You're providing for us. You sent us here. You're the one that said, go, so I know you'll provide. And so this place is not my provision. And then actually, uh, the whole thing uh, after that turned around. This guy went, you know, actually went to bat for me and said, you know, he is not the problem. You guys are believing lies, all this stuff. So they did this big investigation over the course of like a day, and now they're apologizing to me. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We were wrong. We this, that. You know, we had no idea. And you're like actually doing the opposite. And I was. I was like bending over backwards for him. And, uh, you know, we learned that in the epistles that, you know, uh, it's no big thing if you are accused for doing something that's wrong and you did something's wrong, but when you did something's right and you're accused, wow, you get a reward in heaven. So I got some good rewards up in heaven. <laughs> So, and Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So sometimes we're led into the wilderness, but you realize the testing of our faith develops perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not disappoint us. So we don't have a guarantee in this life. Actually, the Bible says in this life you will have trouble. So we have to be ready always to overcome, and not just to overcome, but the Bible says that we are more than overcomers through Christ Jesus. So if we're trying to do it on ourselves, if we find out, you know what, I'm not, you know, I know the Bible says that, but I don't see that in my life, well, maybe we're not doing it in Christ Jesus. 
If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. If you look at yourself outside of Christ, you might see like, you know what? My flesh still wants to overeat or my flesh still wants to cuss or my flesh still wants to, you know, uh, do deviant sexual things or whatever. But in Christ, if you look at yourself in Christ, if I look at myself in Christ, I find I'm brand new. I'm made just like God. In fact, I'm connected with God. One translation says that we're one spirit with Christ Jesus, and we're so much one spirit that you can't tell us apart. You look on the inside, you see Christ. You see me, you see Christ. Which one is it? Uh, We are connected with Christ. Um, Being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, if you are the son of God, command this stone be made bread. So he's like 40 days of hunger, like really, really hungry. A lot of people do like churches will do 40 days of prayer and fasting, but they're not, I mean, I know one maybe that is, but most of them are doing like a Daniel fast or something. They're eating something. Jesus ate nothing. Okay, 40 days, he's very hungry. And in that state, the devil's coming to tempt him. So we want the devil to tempt us in the middle of the church service when we're worshiping God and we're giving him all the glory and we're confessing the word of God or in our prayer time. But many times he's tempting us when we're wore out, when we're down, when we've made a mistake, that's when he's coming to tempt us. And that's when he came to tempt Jesus Christ. He's our example and he's the model that we follow. So the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, Command these stones to be made bread. And this is what we're talking about today. If you are the Son of God, if you are, if the Spirit of God is upon you because He anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor, because He sent you to heal the brokenhearted, I'm speaking to you right here, right now. Uh, deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind. If you are that, then do this. So if you are, it's really preposterous. If you are the Son of God, yield to the devil. You know, you think, my goodness. But we don't think that at the time, especially if we're connected with our flesh or we're connected with, like, the natural side of things. We're like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? The, the Spirit led me here. What did I do wrong? And, like, Paul must have thought that. You know, he's, like, in the sea holding on to a piece of the ship and barely living. And he's like, what? What did I do wrong? How did I mess up? And, you know, he, of course, he did that when he was in jail. He just complained and whined at midnight. No, no it says at midnight they prayed and praised the Lord, gave thanks unto God, and the prisoners heard them, and everyone's bands were loose. And so the praise will set free from uh, the power of the enemy. The praise of God will take and drive back the forces of darkness because we're praising God for the truth and for who, who he really is. So the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to be made bread. So he's starting to question who he is. I heard another minister saying, I love it, said Jesus was tempted to do the supernatural apart from the leading of God's spirit. The supernatural, turn these stones into bread. So Jesus, think about Jesus, everything he said and everything he did. He said, I didn't, this isn't of me. Don't look at me. And this, we should say the same thing. Don't look at me. Don't look at you. Look at Christ. Everything I get, I get in prayer. Everything I get, I say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he says, this is what I want you to do. Or because I'm just in constant communion and connection with him, he speaks to me. He speaks to my spirit. And so Jesus said, I don't do anything but what my father does, but what I see him do. And he said, I don't say anything but what I see him do. I always wondered why I wanted to see, you know, they both see anyhow. Uh, He didn't do anything but what it was from God that he had gotten from God. I wish I could say that. I'm growing in that. Right? I'm connecting to him and I'm looking to him and I always want to look to him. Um, but I have not arrived there yet. So uh, we don't want to do anything, even the supernatural, without the leading of the Spirit of God. Because you don't want to, <laughs> Brother Hagin used to say, you know, we travel with him and he'd be like, I'd rather be one step behind the Lord than out in front of him. Because out in front of him, you're like, oh, what did I do? And, uh, you know, um, 1987, the Lord appeared to Jesus. I'm the Lord appeared to Jesus. <laughs> Jesus appeared to Brother Hagin. In a vision that we kind of have labeled plans, purposes, and pursuits. And he was basically saying, like, why is there not the move of the Spirit in these, these days in our churches and stuff like that? And he said, because man does not take time to seek me and to follow my plan as set forth in the Scriptures. The more closely you follow my plan, the more the manifestation of the Spirit will be, or the, the Holy Spirit will be in manifestation and demonstration. Uh, but man is following their own plans. And the Lord said, I'll bless man as far as I can, but I can't put my full blessing and my full approval on man's plan because it's man's plan and not my plan. But I can put my full blessing and my full approval on my plan. So we want to talk to the Lord, commune, commune with the Lord, fellowship with the Lord, and find out his plan, and then we can have his full blessing. Because the Lord is so good, like I said earlier, he will bless us as far as we'll let him. So these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they will 
cast out devils. They'll heal the sick. They'll raise the dead. Them that believe. And I talked to somebody one time that was a, a believer in Jesus Christ. They were a Christian. And they said, you know, I don't know if healing's really for today because we don't have healing in my church. And I said, well, do you talk about it in your church? No. Well, uh, do people, you know, do you pray for people to be healed? Well, no. And I said, well, maybe that's the reason because the Bible says these signs will follow them that believe. So if you don't believe it, why would you expect to have it? And he said, oh, that's kind of a good point. And I said, well, yeah, you know, we kind of get in our head and get things messed up. And Jesus, verse four, and Jesus answered him and said, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And so what the Lord's dealing with me lately is that, you know, we talked about it last week, that you preach with the Holy Ghost. Not only do you preach with the Holy Ghost, you live with the Holy Ghost. So you're not living on your own. You want the Holy Ghost involved in everything you're doing. When you're talking to people, and you know, in this series, we're talking a lot about reaching people. And so we, I pray, I don't know if it's every week, but almost every week up here, I pray at the end of the service that the Lord would give us opportunities to reach out to people. So I've been traveling a lot on airplanes, and you kind of have a captive audience with somebody sitting next to you on an airplane, and I'm not rude. You know, I kind of like trying to make eye contact. Are you looking? Are you looking? Sometimes they look. Sometimes they don't look. And, um, uh, but if they give me any eye, eye contact at all, I'm like, hey, where are you from? You're from D.C.? You know, oh, no, I'm from such and such a place. So I've been able to minister to people about Jesus Christ. And, you know, just last week before I prayed, I, you know, on the weekend before I, we were in service, I was saying to the Lord, you know, I'd really like to pray for somebody for healing. You know, I haven't had any healings. You know, it'd be, you know, it'd be great to have a healing during this, this whole series, you know, that we're talking about. And um, so I'm on the plane, and this lady, she, um, she's... You know, I go to get my seat, and she's almost like standoffish, you know what I mean? And she's kind of, you know, um, just not acting like she doesn't want to talk or whatever. And I thought, oh, and then she kind of like coughed, and I thought, oh, she's not feeling well. And um, okay, and so uh, she's here, and I'm at the window, and there's just two seats on this side of the plane. And so I go and sit down. Well, I was exhausted. So I'm on the plane, and for some reason, the other weeks, I fly almost every week right now, and the other weeks, there was no... Um, trafficked to take off. You didn't have to wait on, you know, we just like go out. We're number one for takeoff. We're number two for takeoff. So no time. Well, this time we must've been like number 15 or something out of Dulles. And, um, so I fell asleep because it was 30 minutes. I think I fell asleep before we took off. So we took off, we get into the air and then I kind of wake up a little bit and I look over at her and cause you know, I want to talk to her and, uh, she's kind of like this, you know, and by this time she had put her hoodie on, she had a hoodie and I thought, Oh, she's really sick. She's just not feeling well. And, um, so I kind of wake up when they're bringing the drinks, and um, I look over, and uh, she had this book, and it said, like, for cancer families, uh, something like for families that have somebody with cancer or cancer patients themselves. So I'm sitting next to her, and um, the drinks are coming. I'm still trying to make eye contact. No eye contact. Well, finally, she, she looks or something, and I said, are you from D.C.? No, I'm from San Francisco. I think she was from San Francisco. And... Um, so I tried to make, you know, talk and get to know her or whatever, make some small talk and nothing. You know, she's not asking about anything. And I thought, well, if she's reading this book, she must, you know, why did she just ask? So I, um, you know, different things. If, if uh, people have a, a terminal disease, many times they're very private about it. You don't want to like, you know, whatever. So I uh, sat there and I prayed. I said, Lord, I said, I really want to talk to this lady. And if she like has cancer or something like that, I want to pray for her. You're going to have to have her talk to me, like move on her. You speak to her right now. So within about five minutes of that, we still had a little more small talk. She just she sat in the seat, and she turned over like this, and she said, I can't do that because it's the speaker. She turned over like this, and she said, do you know what? I'll look at you. Do you know what? I said, what? She said, she started crying. She said, I just found out a week and a half ago I have cancer in my colon. I have blood in my stool, and I went and they did a colonoscopy. I'm 51 years old, and I have cancer. And she said, not only is it in my colon, it's like this big in her colon, she said. Um, she said, they could just cut it out then, but then they did more tests and found out it's in my liver and there's spots all over my liver. And I don't know what to do and I have three kids and, you know, just distraught. And so uh, I got to pray with her and we commanded that, I commanded that cancer, I say we because she was so new at it. She, she was uh, in a, a super large church with one billion people, you know, members of that church, and she, but she wasn't, she never reads the Bible, anything like that, and so I started giving her verses, and she's like, I, I don't read the Bible, I don't, I don't know, we don't, I don't read that, and so I said, okay, don't worry about it, I said, I'll just pray for you, and so um, I prayed for her, laid hands on her, rebuked the cancer, commanded it to go, and she was supposed to have a, on Wednesday, she was supposed to have a, a biopsy. And um, I gave her my email. I said, you know, let, let us know the testimony. And you know, I said, do, would you like to receive Christ? And she said, no, not right now. 
And I said, well, here's what I believe. I believe the healing power of God is working in your body. And when you see that Jesus is healing you, you're going to want him to be your Lord and to be your Savior. So when that happens, you just pray, you receive the Lord or email me. Here you go. Find a church. So the Lord gave a great opportunity. But you see, he wants us all to do that because he has anointed us to do that because he can't do it. That's what he wants for her. He wants complete freedom, complete life in her body. He wants that devil off of her. The devil of, you know, I'm not saying it's actually demonic, it can be or it cannot be, but the, the cancer that the devil initiated, he wants that off of her and out of her. Yeah. And uh, he wants her completely whole, healthy, and part of his family and going to heaven to live with him forever and to have a long life on the earth. That is his will for all of us. I desire that you prosper and be in health. It's written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power I'll give you and the glory of them, for it's delivered unto me and to whoever I will give it. If you, thou, if you will therefore worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it's written, you shall not uh, worship Wait a minute. Get behind me, Satan, for it's written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only will you serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If you are the Son of God, cast yourself down from here. For it's written, He'll give his angels charge over you and keep you in their hands, and they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, saying, um, it is said, you will not tempt the Lord your God. And when the devil had ended the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, so he was doing this frequently, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he opened the book to the place where he found it written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, he, to preach deliverance to the captives, a recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So many times we find out, man, I'm born again. I'm part of God's family. I'm in the kingdom of God. And, you know, then I knew that as a young age. And then I got older and I found out I don't have to be sick anymore. I don't have to be poor anymore because God has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Jesus did because he died on the cross. And the curse was spiritual death, poverty, and sickness. And I found that out. And there's a song that uh, Keith Moore wrote, you know, by the Spirit of God called No More Bondage. I don't have to be sick no more. I don't have to be poor no more. I don't have to be bound no more by anything. And I heard that song and I was like, I can't stay in my body because this is amazing. I've never heard this. I thought you have to have like these lifelong diseases that are going to kill you. And um, we don't have to have them. You can have them if you want them, but you don't have to have them. And God doesn't want you to have them. He doesn't want me to have them. And then I was, when I was reading this just this morning, this passage of scripture, I thought, wow, isn't that amazing? The disciples and even uh, the Hebrews at the time, the Jewish people, they're looking for Christ to come, to reign in all majesty and all glory. And he comes in a babe born in a barn. And they're like, what is going on? And the devil, he even tempted Jesus with glory. He's like, I'll give you these kingdoms and all their glory. And he's like, you are something, Jesus. You're right. You are something. You say you're from God. You are something. Just throw yourself down. You know the Bible says the angels will like lift you up. Just throw yourself down. So he tries to tell you that you're something apart from Christ. Jesus said, no, I'm nothing apart from my father God. I only do what he says. I come under him and it is written, I should not tempt the Lord my God. So I will not tempt the Lord my God. And he is the one that's in charge that has all glory. So this temptation of Jesus, we see these temptations. Jesus didn't come to be like, I'm the man. Everybody look at me. In fact, what he came to do, he would heal people. I remember sitting in Italy. I was on a TDY to Italy when I was stationed uh, down in Georgia. After I, just after I'd moved here, I was in Italy, and I'm reading the Bible. And I'm like, I'm going to read the Bible through. I was there for three months, and so I'm reading it, reading the Gospels. And I kept reading, and I never saw this before. Jesus said, you know, hey, I just healed you. Don't tell anybody. And he goes like to the next one. I just healed you. Don't tell anybody. And for you, he like spit in the mud, put it on your eyes. Don't tell anybody. And I thought, why are you saying don't tell anybody? So Jesus wasn't seeking glory. He needed to like minister. We're not going to go into why and everything like that. But there's, there's, there's some definite reasons why. But 
We look then, Jesus had all of these experiences where his flesh, he was tempted in all points like as we are. So he wanted, of course, to say, I'm the man, you know, and I'm going to call 10,000 angels and just annihilate you. But he couldn't to fulfill the perfect will of God. He didn't come like that. He came and he said, after, right after this, what did he do? Went right back to what is my assignment. Here is my assignment. I want to declare before you, I want to declare before any of the demons that are here in your bodies are trying to affect you that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He didn't send me to rule nations and countries. He sent me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. To say, you know what? God has come. Here, uh, here he is in me to set you free. I've set you free. I've given you liberty. I've given you life. Now receive. He didn't say, I came so that you'll elevate me and elect me the president of the United States of America. You know, um, he came to set the captives free. He came to set the poor people, say, you know what? I'm annihilating your poverty. I'm annihilating that spirit of poverty that's trying to dominate you. So I'm just going to wave my hand, it's going to go away. No, you actually know even, even healing cases. You can look at cases of healing that the Bible says that they began to amend. I think there's, oh boy, I think it's like of the 19 individual cases of healing, if I remember correctly, it's like 12 cases where they began to amend and eight cases that were instant healings. And so um, the point is that you're healed. The point is that you're set free. The, 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 the uh, bondage is gone. And I think of like those little fleas. When you train a flea, you put them in a little glass box and they start jumping. You take the box off, they don't jump anymore. So a lot of times Jesus Christ will take the box off of us and we keep just jumping like we're hitting our head. And he's kind of like, hey, you know what? That's gone. That's gone. And we really need the Holy Spirit to recognize that because he is the spirit that makes the things of God real. So without the Holy Spirit, we'll look and say like, yeah, I see that the Bible says that I have been set free, that I'm not under the power of the enemy, but I don't know if that's real. But the Holy Spirit will make it real to you and to me so that we're like, that is real. I'm going to jump. Watch me. I'm out of here. And we jump. We're like, look, look, look. I jumped. You can jump too. Jump, jump. We could all jump. And so the Lord has given us the same mission as Jesus Christ himself had. And he didn't give us that mission without the equipment that Jesus Christ himself had. So remember, Jesus was perfect in all of his ways. He came to accomplish it. He came to redeem us, to set us free, to buy us back, um, to give us uh, his life and his nature, and really to commission us with his commission that we could uh, fulfill what he's called us to do. Redeem uh, if you just look it up in a dictionary, you're going to find out to redeem is to buy back, to regain, to recover, to re regain again, by recover by force, to free, to recover a person or a thing put in a pledge by payment of the amount due, to buy off, compound for, to fulfill, to perform, to ransom, to liberate, to free from bondage, from captivity or punishment, to save one's life by paying a ransom, uh, to reclaim, to free from charge or claim, um, to deliver from sin and its consequences, to obtain by purchase, to go in exchange for, to save from being lost, to make amends or atonement for, to compensate for, to make up on, uh, to oneself, to repay, to make good, to save, to restore, to gain and to reach. So Christ came to redeem us and set us free and we're to live in his new life. We're not to live in our old life. Our old flesh wants to come up and tell us you can't do it. You don't measure up. You do this. You do that. That's one reason if you look in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews talks about going into the presence of God, but it doesn't talk about going into the presence of God with our own ability. It says by the blood of Jesus Christ. We come by the blood of Jesus so that when we go into the presence of God, God doesn't look at us in our faults and failures after our flesh. He sees us in Christ. He sees everything that Christ did, and that's accounted to our behalf. So like, you know, it's to reconcile is like an accounting term. And so you look at this column and this column and you have to reconcile it. You have to make a match up. And so the life of Christ, the victory of Christ matched up with every sin, every weakness, every failure, every sickness that was from the devil and defeated it. So that when God looks at us and he sees us as we come into the presence of God, he sees everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus accomplished, every enemy that the devil, de that Jesus defeated 
Every part of the devil, every demon, he sees that when he sees you, when he sees your account, when you're coming in. He says, oh, I'm so glad to see you. And we're sitting here thinking, yeah, but I didn't read my Bible today, or I didn't pray today, or, you know, I said, you know, I was kind of mean to somebody today. He says, shh, 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 listen, listen, listen to the accusers. I can't hear them because the blood keeps them out. So come to me by the blood of my son. I sent him. I gave him up freely for you. I want you to take what he did and receive it in all its fullness because his blood is still on the altar of the heavenly holy place, the heavenly holies of holies today. And what I'm hearing, I'm not hearing what you just did. I'm hearing the blood say, you're righteous, you're holy, you're redeemed, you're set free, you're on fire for God. So stand with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Father. We thank you that your word is true. And Father, we thank you that your word is here for us to receive, to read, to believe. And we just declare, and if you believe this, declare uh, right after me, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's me. That's what I am. That's who I am. God has anointed me with the same spirit that he anointed Jesus with. The same life that was in him is now in me. I am sent to preach the gospel, to preach deliverance and recovery of sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you need prayer for anything, uh, just come forward after the service and we'll be happy to pray for you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you're listening to this or you're here, you can know Jesus Christ. He loves you. It does not matter what you've done. Don't think of your faults and your failures. Look at Jesus Christ and his perfection. And if you look at him and you say, I can't measure up, I, I, don't, I can't even come close, I can't even pray to the Lord, then you're in the right position. Just realize he accomplished everything for you and he loves you and he wants you to be part of his family. In Jesus' name, amen.